Uh, let, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We thank you so much for today. We thank you <clears throat> that you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord God. You have no rival, no equal. And Lord, we just uh, lift this day to you. Father, we pray that in this time, may you speak to us. Your Holy Spirit would teach us and encourage us, exhort us. And we ask for your blessing over this time, Lord. We lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I say happy anniversary to all of us. And, and I appreciate you all, again, delaying a week so that I can celebrate this with you all. And um, I would have been kind of sad if I missed out on the group picture you know, so um, I'm very thankful for that. <clears throat> Interestingly, it was a year ago that I first submitted my sermon video for you all to watch. It was exactly a year ago today, and um, a year later, here we are together. Kind of, kind of crazy that is exactly a year from now. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever thought. Ever thought what if? Like, what if you all did not? answer the call and start Generations Church? I don't know if you've ever thought of that. What if we didn't ever start Generations Church? What if I never answered the advertisement ad for the pastor position here at Generations Church? You know, it's kind of amazing to think about how much can change from a single decision. Right? One decision can change so much of your life. It's kind of amazing to, to think about it. Now, I remember waiting for the phone call to hear the results of the, your, your congregational vote. Now, I don't know if, I don't know if, what, if you can picture that, but can you imagine that um, I was waiting for the call, and do you think that when the call rang... I looked at the phone, I said, oh, eh, I'll pick it up later. I'll get back to that in a second. I'm, I'm watching something. I'm watching uh, TV right now. I'll, I'll get back to that later. Or, you know what, oh, i got to shower first. Let me shower first, and then I'll, I'll pick up the phone. I'll call them back tomorrow. Do you, do you think I did that? I answered that phone right away. Of course, I made sure I'm composed, Right? Make sure I didn't sound too excited, right? I don't know why. But I picked that phone up right away. Why? Was that an easy decision to make for me, to pick it up right away? Absolutely. You know why it was so easy? Because I knew on the other end of that line was something I was praying for, that I was ready for. And that was either going to lead me to an unforeseen Adventure, an unforeseen mystery or unknown, but was known to God, or it was going to be a closed door. I'm glad I picked up the phone. <laughs> I'm glad I picked up the phone and answered the call. I'm glad you all took the faith to answer a call six years ago. Now, of course, it wasn't a tough decision because I was ready. I was ready to respond to the opportunities that was to come. My heart was ready to answer a call 
that led me to the unforeseen direction. Now, if you would have asked me a year prior to that, I probably would have said, no. No. Because I wasn't ready at that time. I've learned when God is calling, we want to be ready to answer the call. Do we have the mindset? Is our hearts ready to answer a call that is unknown to us, but fully known to God? Right? Are we at a place, our mindset, our heart is at a place where we are so ready that any opportunity that God comes calling, no one does this anymore, sis, right? When God comes calling, would we be able to answer the call? Are we ready for that? The title of today's message is Answering the Call. We're at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And think about this. We're at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and the world will never be the same thereafter. By the end of our passage today, we'll see four men answer a call that will forever change their lives. But not only their lives, will change the world. Because they answered a simple call. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And it's been a few weeks, so I want to recap. What we've looked at so far in Mark. So far we've seen John the Baptist. John the Baptist comes on the scene and he's preaching a message. A message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Mark makes it clear that John's mission was to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He's preparing the people's hearts for the coming of the Lord. And so people (coughs) coming from all around the region to hear John's message and to get baptized. Ooh. My cough is going to add a dramatic effect to the sermon, huh? I totally planned that. So John the Baptist is preaching. Then comes Jesus. Jesus arrives onto the scene. And Jesus is about 30 years old. Now think about that. Isn't that kind of weird to think about? That Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his ministry. How many of you adults pay attention to any 30-year-old right now? For some of us, 30 years old sounds so young. Did anyone listen to you when you were 30 years old? Some of you who are younger than 30 years are like, I hope they do. But here comes Jesus. He comes on ready to fulfill his mission. Jesus insists on being baptized by John, not because of his own sin, but for the sins of the world. So Jesus' baptism, we saw that it's a foreshadowing of his mission. His baptism represents a picture of what he will do for all who will believe in him. As he is 
dies and is buried and rises again to new life. And the Holy Spirit descends upon him. This picture is what he will provide for all who will believe in him. That if we place our faith and trust and believe that just as he died, we died with him. Our old self, sinful self died with him. And he is brought up to new life. That we are risen and given new life. And as we place our faith and trust in him, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. So this beautiful picture, Jesus says, this is going to be my mission. This is what I'm here for. The second thing we see about it is we see the voice of the Father and the anointing of the Holy Spirit validate and affirm who Jesus is and his mission. We have this incredible scene as Jesus baptized. The voice of the Father affirms Jesus. This is my beloved Son who I'm well pleased. And then as immediately as Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as he comes out of the water. So we have this scene. And so then after that, immediately after that, before he starts his ministry, Jesus is immediately prepared for the journey that is going to be before him. We see the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into a time of fasting and a time of testing for 40 days. For 40 days he fasts from food, but he also is tempted by the devil. But in strength and in weakness, we see that Jesus did not give in to temptation, remained sinless. He was ready. He was ready for his journey. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Make sure I'm on right. Okay. Verse 14. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying... The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now Mark, we're going to see, primarily focuses on Jesus' ministry within the region of Galilee. We'll see here in the map, if you could see in the top top half of the map, that's the region of Galilee, right, on on the left side. You can see on the map how much activity happens in Jesus' ministry surrounding that area of of Galilee. In particular, we'll see in the Sea of Galilee there. So Mark is going to focus primarily on Jesus' ministry within the Galilee region and the surrounding district, the surrounding area. We know, (coughs) excuse me, the previous 13 verses leads up to this point. It's a passing of the torch. We see from John the Baptist's ministry, now it's time for Jesus' ministry. We see from this passage in Luke that John the Baptist is taken into custody by Herod. We're going to look more into that when we get to chapter 6. But Luke tells us in chapter 4, verse 14, and Jesus returned to Galilee after he was tempted, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. So Jesus comes into Galilee led by, submitted to, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Fully led by, fully submitted, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the model for us? Our life. That's our goal, right? 
We want to be able to say in our life, we are led by the Spirit. We are fully submitted to the Spirit. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's our model. right? And Jesus starts His ministry this way. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit as He goes into Galilee. And so Jesus comes and He's preaching the Gospel of God. The good news of God. He says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in this good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now the message of the kingdom of God will be a theme we'll see throughout Mark. So I'm not going to unpack all of that. what that means. We're going to unpack that as we go in Mark. But we see when Jesus declares that the kingdom of God is at hand, the people will not fully understand what Jesus is saying, what he's implying, what he means. When the people hear that Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand, they're probably anticipating that an actual physical reign that they're going to see, that God is going to come and usurp the authority, the foreign authority, which at the time was the Roman Empire. He's going to reestablish the kingdom. He's going to reestablish Jerusalem. And all the people of Israel, you know, they will celebrate that the king, the the chosen king, the anointed king will come and reign. That's probably what they're thinking. God will establish his kingdom, but first he needs to establish his people. He's setting the standard. He's making the way for those who will be the people of God. You may ask, well, who are the people of God? In the Old Testament, right? God had a chosen people. Who was that chosen people? The people of Israel, right? They were to be that representation, the representatives of God's judgment upon the idolatrous nations. He was to, they were supposed to be that testimony of His glory to all the nations. However, what happened? Israel will not remain faithful to God, will they? They fell for the idolatry of the nations. They pursued the other gods of the nations. And they remained unfaithful to God. Yet still, God did not forsake Israel, right? But Israel will not be the only people of God. The good news of God will be declared not just to Israel, but to all nations. Now the gospel that you, that all the people of all the nations can be the people of God. Jew and Gentile. So Jesus, he comes and he declares the kingdom of God is at hand. Be ready. Get your hearts right before God. Because your hope has come. And while Jesus boldly declares this, that he's ushering in the kingdom of God, again, the people will not quite understand who Jesus is. He's going to be teaching with an authority that they had never heard before. He's going to do miracles that they had never seen before. And yet they're going to be confounded by who this Jesus is. Is he really the one who's going to usher in the kingdom of God? But Jesus, he's just getting started here. Verse 16. 
And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus being, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Now here we see Jesus gathering his first disciples, a pair of brothers, fishermen by trade. We'll see in our time in Mark why the disciples were chosen. But we're going to also see other times where we're going to wonder, why were, again were these guys chosen? Why did Jesus choose these guys, these knuckleheads? Andrew and Simon and James and John, these were just common fishermen. There's nothing at this point that stands out and tells us we need to choose these guys. I need these guys. We're not given anything that tells us these guys were something special that Jesus needed to choose. Jesus didn't give these fishermen some long-form interview, some interview process. He didn't have an app on his phone with their profiles, and he didn't choose to like swipe left or swipe right. You know, He didn't have that, but he knew. He knew. These brothers had a divine encounter with Jesus, and they were just faced with a simple decision. A simple decision with life-changing consequences. See, these guys, they probably, they were heard, they heard, they were listening to the message of John the Baptist. They knew what was being told, what was being said. And they had heard of this Jesus. Word was spreading in the area of, of Jesus of Nazareth. He was teaching with this authority. He was doing these signs. He's doing these unexplainable miracles. I'm sure they think, could this be the one? Is this the one we were looking for, we're placing our hope for? And here he comes, walking along the shore. He sees them. They're doing just like a regular routine thing, fixing their nets, whatever, their fishermen on the boat. And Jesus calls out to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. I don't know if you can put yourself in that situation. How many of you would just be willing to drop everything you're doing, everything you know, and follow this man who just simply says, follow me, and I'll change your life? Their response was immediate. When Jesus called out to them and offered them an opportunity to follow him, there was no question or hesitation. They had no idea what they're getting themselves into. But for them, it was too good to pass up. Something in them said, We gotta go. We need to check him out. We're gonna go follow. First, Jesus calls Andrew and Simon, and immediately they leave their nets and they follow him. Next, James and John, along the way, they were called out. And they were in their fishing boat. 
Jesus, Jesus immediately calls out to them, and they left their father, Zebedee. He, don't worry about Zebedee. He had his hired servants, right? So he was, he was taken care of. But they left him and went away to follow him. Here's a very simple passage. Mark doesn't give us a lot of information here. Not a lot of dialogue here. Perhaps it's because from Peter's perspective, this whole incident was a no-brainer. There wasn't much to discuss. <laughs> they went and they followed. Just this brief, simple passage. Here Jesus is forming his team of co-workers. I don't know if how many of you have been in that position to choose a team of co-workers. Maybe you had to browse through resumes and applications. I want the best. Right? I want the best of the best. I want the talented. I want the ones who stand out among the crowd. Jesus, they, didn't, he, they weren't chosen because of some impeccable resume. It wasn't because of their impressive accomplishments. It wasn't because they were the best fishermen. I don't know how good of fishermen they were. It wasn't because of their exceptional talents. What we can say, the only thing we see about them at this point, they responded immediately. They were ready to go without hesitation. Now what can we learn from this very seemingly simple passage? Three words I want us to remember. Three words. Ready, faith, go. Now, I know that sounds like ready, set, go, right? And you're like, well, faith and set, that doesn't really go. Bear with me. Three words. Ready, faith, and go. Ready. Am I ready to answer when God is calling? Am I ready to answer when God is calling? I'm going to talk to two groups of people when I ask this question. Are you ready to answer when God is calling? The first group is for those who Jesus is calling you and you have yet to believe in his name. You've yet to fully buy in and believe and say, I believe, Jesus, that you are the Christ. You are my Savior. You died for my sin. You rose again, and I trust you with my life. That group of people, if that's you, are you ready to believe. Jesus was not just claiming, when he came onto the scene, understand this, he wasn't just claiming who he was. Anybody could come and say there's something, right? Anyone can say that, oh, I am the next, next big thing. Jesus didn't just claim it. He backed it up. He taught them with an authority they had never seen or heard before. He performed miracles that they had never seen before. He says, I don't want you to just believe my words because I say it. I want you to see me. See what I am doing. Look at what I'm doing. He's calling you to believe in him, not just because he says who he says he is, but what he has done. And the proof of what he has done. The lives that were changed because of who he is and what he has done. 
And he calls out to you. He says, are you ready to respond? He's calling you to believe because he knows what you need. He knows your heart. He's calling out to you because he wants you to know his love for you. He wants to give you eternal life. And he's asking, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to believe? To trust me. I want you to be my people. I want you to know my love for you. The second group of people, are you ready? For those of you who you do believe, you do, you do place your trust in Jesus. Are you ready to respond to what God has for you? Some of you may have been believers for a long time, but you've just still been just trying to walk, live your, live your life, do your pace, do your own thing. You're not quite ready to fully buy in to what God has for you. You're pretending you don't hear. You believe in Jesus, but are you ready to be called upon for something beyond your comfort level, beyond what the experiences that you know, beyond the life that you think you, you want to live up until you retire? Are you willing to answer a call that God asks you to do something that goes in the fore, unforeseen? You can't see it. You can't predict it. It's uncomfortable. But he has something for you. More than you can conceive. More than you can uh, imagine. And sometimes, as I shared before, it takes us longer for us to be ready. Longer than we realize. I really believe that, you know, a year ago, I was ready to receive and answer a call. But if you've asked me two years prior to that, I don't know if I would have answered the same call. If that phone rang, I might have just said, I'll get back to it a little bit later. Not about you all. It's about my heart, my mindset. Was I ready to do something that was uncomfortable but had a purpose greater than I could realize? The second word, faith. Faith action leads us to experience God's action. Faith action leads us to experience God's action. Notice the order of Jesus' calling to Andrew and Simon, to James and John. He says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The condition to God making them fishers of men was their willingness to come and follow. We're going to see examples of this throughout our journey in Mark, where God's action followed a people's willingness to act in faith. God requires us to act in faith and live in trust. If we want God to work in our life, we have to be willing to take steps of faith. That's the life God calls us to live. A life of faith and live in trust in Him. We're going to see examples and examples of this throughout our journey in Mark. That if we want to see God respond in our life, 
we must first respond in faith. We need to have faith in God. We need to trust Him. Are you willing to respond in faith? Or are you always looking for more information? Right? How many of you are like that? Before you make a big decision, you need to have it all laid out, right? I need to make sure all my bases are covered. I need to be able to see two years from now. I need to make sure that what I'm doing, I have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, maybe even an E. E is escape. I don't know. Right? Sometimes we need to have all the answers before we act in faith. Can you trust that when God does not give you what you want, it's for your own good? Right? Don't we think we always know what's good for us? Can we trust when we don't get what we want, how we want it, that God knows what's best for us? Do you have the faith that God, what God has given you, He has a purpose for it, greater than the purpose that you imagined for it? Can you trust Him with that? Are you willing to make faith actions? And the third thing is go. Am I willing to put my faith into action? You could say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you would come through if I did something. But I'm just, I just can't get my legs up to do it. Right? Have we all felt that way? In moments of time, it could be a very simple moment. It could be as simple of a moment as who you're going to pray for after service. <laughs> I think I'm pressing this a little bit. You may think, Lord, I know that you can do anything and that even if I don't pray for this person, you care about them. So I don't really need to be the one, right? Simple moments of faith to believe that God will have a reason for you to pray for them. Right? Am I willing to put my faith into action? Jesus required people to be willing to leave and follow him. Leave what you think you know and follow Jesus to a greater unknown to you, but is known to him. He says, follow me and see what I can do in your life. You follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, see how I can make what you do even more purposeful and more meaningful. And we got to understand that when Jesus says leave and follow, this does not always mean we physically have to relocate. It doesn't always mean that we have to abandon <coughs> all our desires and all our hopes. Isn't that what many of us fear, right? Jesus chose these fishermen to be fishers of men. He took what they knew, magnified it, magnified their meaning and purpose. See, when we're willing to follow Jesus and we're willing to surrender what we think we know, excuse me, about ourselves into his hands, we realize how transformational following Jesus can be. When we're willing to follow Jesus, willing to surrender what we think we know about ourselves into his hands, we will realize how transformational following Jesus is. 
When we realize that God transforms and uses what he has gifted you. And for his purposes, greater than ourselves, we'll discover an ultimate motivation and purpose. Now, you all know there's a big football game today, right? Did you think I'd go off this whole sermon without addressing at least something about the game? Of course not, right? I've made no, I've not been shy about the fact that who um, I support. I'm a big Rams fan, always been a Rams fan. And during Super Bowl week, there's a lot of interviews. And there was an interview with uh, Cooper Cup. He's an all-pro wide receiver. Great year. One of the best seasons for a wide receiver in NFL history. <clears throat> and he was asked a question. He asked, what God has taught you and shown you this year? That's how he responded. He says, you will find that you are most fulfilled... You will find the most joy when you're rooted in your purpose, specifically rooted in his purpose for you. And that, to me, has been one of the best things about this year. Beyond all the games we had won, beyond all the honors, accolades, I've had so much fun playing this game. My motivation coming into every single day is to run the race in such a way to honor God and the passion and talents he has given me. When I am rooted in that, I am at a great place. I am able to play freely. I am able to love my teammates. I am able to be a better man, a better football player, be a better husband, be a better father when I'm living at that place. If I don't give you any more reason to cheer for the Rams, I don't know what else I can give you. I love this response. He says the key to his motivation to be the best he can be is being rooted in the purposes God has for him. His motivation isn't even the results. It wasn't even winning a championship. At first when I heard him comment that his motivation wasn't even, to, wasn't even about the results, whether they won the championship or not, I think I'm kind of thinking, oh, I kind of want you to want that a lot. But no, he said, my, when you can root your purpose in God's purpose for you, when that is your motivation, that everything you do, you're free. You're free. It's not about the accomplishments. It's not about the results. It's that, God, I am going to honor you with everything you've given me, every desire you've given me. I am going to honor you, and I can live freely knowing. That's awesome. I love that. See, one of the great life quests is to discover meaning and purpose, right? How many have all been wondering, what's my meaning and purpose? Why am I here? Many seek to find that, that answer, right? Personal achievements, career choices, majors, philanthropy, all those things. I remember when people discover what they want to do for a career, it's like a light comes on. It's like an epiphany, right? Yeah, maybe you can all remember the time when you realized what you wanted to do for a living. Did it feel like, man, extra motivation, right? 
You remember that? I remember when I was in high school that the thing I wanted to do when I discovered I wanted to be a psychologist, I wanted to be a counselor, I wanted to counsel uh, families and adolescents and teens and stuff. That's what I wanted to do. That's why I was going to go to school. I felt like just, man, finally, I know what I want to do. Go for it. That was amazing. Even greater, though, an even more eye-opening experience is when you discover that your purpose can go beyond those achievements, beyond the major, beyond the career for a greater purpose for God. When God changed my heart from psychology to pastoral ministry, I had to wrestle with it. But once I came to that call and answered the call, it was like a burden that came off my shoulders. I realized this is the greater meaning, the greater purpose. See, our ultimate purpose, our ultimate meaning is to be found in him, to enjoy fellowship with God. He created you so that you can enjoy him. Enjoy what he wants to give you. Fellowship with the creator of the universe for all eternity. This theme is woven throughout scripture. His love for his people. He wants to restore relationship with his people. That's his desire for you. First thing. The second thing. He has a mission for us. He has a mission for you. Something more than you can realize. It could be within your job. He may call you to be a doctor. But how you're going to help heal people is going to be more than just physical. You could be a lawyer, a businessman, a teacher, whatever it may be. But your purpose is not just in that. His calling for you is not just salvation. It's all right. Will you do a job for me? Can I transform your life? Will you place your life in my hands and see what I can do? When God calls you, are you ready to answer the call? Do you have the faith to answer the call? And will you go and follow through with that call. This power has on the spray. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you, Lord. Lord, I believe you have you're calling each person not only here in this room, but watching. You first, you want them to have a relationship with you, Lord God. You want them to experience and know your love for them. I don't know what's in their hearts, what they're wrestling with, the doubts they're wrestling with, the questions they're wrestling with, but Lord, you do. And I pray, Lord God, you would open their eyes and their hearts to you, Lord Jesus. 
that they will say, I believe, I confess my sin before you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior. And I want to follow you. I pray for those who are believers here, Lord God. And maybe you've been speaking to them about doing something in faith that they've been afraid of, they've been wondering about. Lord, prepare their hearts and minds to be ready to answer a call and to have the faith to step out and go and follow and surrender and trust. We thank you, Jesus, and praise you in your name. Amen.